everyone. Episode two of Chase the Peace. Here we go. Thank you so much for being here. I'm really pumped about my guest that you're going to get to hear from. I'll introduce her in just a minute. Um, but I want to say sincerely from the bottom of my heart, thank you all so much for your support so far. The more that you can like, share, and subscribe, and also rate this content, the better the chances are that someone that needs to hear these conversations and know they're not alone will. So thank you sincerely from the bottom of my heart. Okay, my guest today, uh, I'm super pumped. Ladies, you are in for such a treat. Her name is Amanda Coker. She's a successful business owner. She owns a photography business named Dash Photography here in the Atlanta, Georgia area. She also started a women's wellness retreat called Revive Retreats as a result of her own challenges related to mental health. She's going to unpack that story here for you in just a little bit. So without further ado, episode two of Chase the Peace. Thank you for being here. Welcome to the show, uh, Amanda Coker. Um, Amanda, thank you so much for, for being here. This is literally episode number two. Wow. So, um, I'm super pumped that you're here. Thank you for being willing to, to share, you know, um, some of your journey as it relates to wellness and some of the work you're doing, um, in, in that world. Everybody knows who you are because I've just set you up, but tell us about your day to day life. Like today, mm -hmm. your, your family dynamic, your, your, you know, you run a business, like you've got a lot going on. Tell us about it. Yeah. You know, I think I have gotten, um, I, for the first time in my life at 36 years old, I'm finally getting into a rhythm of life, maybe just for this week even, but, <laughs> um, I'm a mom. I have a three year, almost three year old. And my husband, Brandon is a musician slash career changing into, um, real estate and who is you know, a phenomenal I like human mother. I love your husband dearly. He is. <laughs> yes, he is. And he is, um, literally don't know if I would actually be here today if it wasn't for him. So, wow. um, yeah, I own a photography business. We've been in the wedding and senior market for about 13 years now. And in the last, I would say four years or so, I've really transitioned into women's wellness just because from my own journey with business ownership and mental health struggles throughout that, I've recognized that the expectation that's put on women, especially if you, you know, want to be a mom, but also have career aspirations and dreams, um, is really challenging. And I think we aren't created to do it all, but sometimes we feel like in order to be successful or, you know, a super woman, um, that that's necessary. And so I'm still balancing both photography and wellness. And it's been really fun to see how those kind of intertwine and those two worlds merge. But yeah, I feel like every day we're just trying to figure out how to be a mom and how to keep up with his energy, um, <laughs> pros and cons to being an older parent. Uh, but yeah, we, you know, just your typical middle-aged little family. Middle-aged. You said it out loud. Are you owning right? that? Are you doing okay with that? <laughs> you know what? I'm doing okay with Good. it. I, Good. I'll let you know when I turn 40 okay. here in a couple years. Okay. Um, so women's wellness. How, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm very interested in, in how you ended up. So, so 
I want you to tell everyone about it's it's revive, right? Is that that's the yes. I want you mm-hmm. to tell everyone about yep. that and what it is. And then once we once we kind of unpack that a little bit, I'd like to step back as far as you as as far as you would like, just to to unpack a little bit of your challenges as it relates to to mental health and, and wellness. Mm-hmm. Um, just so we have some context to understand kind of where you where you've come from um, and, and then yeah. what you're building, um, which is super cool. So Revive, um, it's wellness retreats for women in business. And it started out as like women in business leadership. And as it's kind of evolved, and I'll delve into a little bit of what that consists of, but as it's evolved, it's really turned into wellness retreats for working women. And that includes stay-at-home moms because that is a full-time job no in doubt. itself and um, really trying to address the stigma with that. But working women, so that encompasses everyone because everyone's working on something. And we host them in Puerto Rico currently, and it really just addresses health from a holistic perspective. So within my own journey of figuring out anxiety and depression, um, I really tried to address it from every single angle. And part of that was trying to stay off medication for as long as possible. Um, but then the other part of that was, I just believe it's all connected and, you know, we don't, we aren't educated on hormone health and, and thankfully it's way more of a topic nowadays, but I feel like there's so much left uncovered in women's health. So, the retreat is just a chance for these ladies to come down and be served and just rest. And there's, there's educational elements to it. Um, we have a therapist slash business coach, executive coach who is down there. We have a hormone coach who's down there. Um, we're expanding some of the topics, um, into like sexual health and just stuff that we have no idea. You know, you get your basic education in, high school. And then it's just like, okay, good luck. So we really are trying to create a space where these ladies can just, just be and not have to make decisions. And, you know, they're constantly juggling 50 plates and schedules and husbands and kids. And, um, so just allowing them to just, just rest. And it's been so incredible. Um, and my kind of motivation for that was creating a space that I wish that I had whenever I was in the throes of my darkest days. And so I've really curated everything from what would have been helpful for me during this season. And so even though I'm technically working when I'm there, it's very therapeutic for me as well because, um, I mean, everything from the music that's playing in the house all the time to having a chef and the food that's prepared and, you know, all the luxuries of it, but then also just the community. Cause as women, it's so hard to make friends as adults. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure for guys too, but the community aspect of it, the ocean's always been really healing for me. And so yeah. having it at the beach and, um, yeah, so it's been, we kicked off, January of 2020. And then obviously the world fell apart in March of 2020. And so we just relaunched this past January and we had such a great 
resurgence that we have another one coming up in November and then another one in January. And we're actually making a few changes in January because what's really cool is our January January retreat is almost completely full and it's all returning ladies. Whoa. So that is that was huge for me because they saw the value yeah. in it and it was you know life-changing for so many people and just knowing that they treasured that time so much to come back yeah. um is really big but then i'm like okay i can't just rinse and repeat i have to change <laughs> it up change a little bit up. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so but how cool i'm really excited yeah though. there's nothing more honoring than like a repeat customer right i mean that is mm -hmm. um, that's really awesome why is it that women seem to be held to a different standard when it comes to like balancing work and and family what it's it's not fair but but it exists why why is it that way i don't how did we get here nate that is the golden question yeah yeah i don't know i think some of it might be self-imposed mm -hmm. um i think that we I don't know. Honestly, this is something I've been trying to figure out yeah. and unpack with fellow ladies. Yeah. But yeah. I think part of it's societal. I think some of it's self-imposed. I think because of all the opportunities that we have now, it's kind of like, you know, the possibilities are endless. And so you can pursue literally anything, but also you're naturally the biggest caregiver because humans come from us. And yeah. so it's not like yep. we can just deny that. Um, hmm. And once you become a mom, there's, at least for me, a lot of perspective that I had on, I could never be a stay-at-home mom. My kid's going to be, you know, I'm going to have a nanny from nine to five and I'm still going to travel and do all the things. Then you have the kid and you're like, oh, yeah, this is what... It all changes. People mean when it just changes everything because yeah. everything shifts and I want to be as present as I can be, but also I can't deny who I am and the dreams I feel like that God has created me with. Yeah. And so I think so many women are just stuck in that in between of the two of those things, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's, it's really interesting too, because I'm a firm believer in that there, there is no such thing as a, as a perfect balance. Like you're, you know, mm -hmm. um, you have to figure out the balance that best works for you and your family and, and your career and your goals of where you want to go. Um, but it just, it's not fair that it's like motherhood and like it, you guys are held to a different standard in some way. It's um, I don't know. That's we could, I feel like we could talk about that for an entire Oh, episode. for sure. Um, oh, for sure. It's, uh, I know that the Barbie movie has been, there's been some controversy and people are, they either love it or they hate it. But there was a monologue in there that really, really resonated with me. And I think has resonated with pretty much a hundred percent of the women that have seen it, <laughs> but just talking about the double standard that's set of, you know, you need to be this, but you can't be that, or, and you need to be that, but you can't be too much of that because you need to be this. And it's just, there's no winning. I want to back up a little bit and have you just unpack a little bit for us. Um, you know, you've started Revive, this amazing women's um, retreat. Uh, you launched it during COVID, crazy, you know, just, um, but it seems like things are really coming full circle. And, um, but unpack for us, why are you passionate about wellness? Where, where does that come mm -hmm. from? When did that start for you? I mean, were there some significant events or just 
unpack what you want um, to, to help us understand. So I was about four years into full-time business back in 2016. And I, I was your typical hustler. I mean, I've always been a hard worker. I've always had dreams. My husband and I, I mean, he's the realist. I'm the dreamer. I think we can do absolutely anything. And he's like, okay, here's why this isn't going to work. So, but he's also very, you know, he champions me. Um, and so whenever I would reach a certain milestone, I wouldn't stop and celebrate that. I would be like, okay, well, what's next? What can I reach next? And Hmm. Because of that, I had a really, really terrible work-life balance, and my time management skills were just trash. Um, <laughs> and so I was working until you know early morning hours, until late at night. Would forget to eat lunch. I would have to be like, "Okay, I'm legit. This is like very transparent. I'm legit about to pee my pants. If I don't go to the bathroom right now, I'm just going to pee right here at my desk." Yeah. So, like I just had such a hard time cutting off and that resulted in a lack of friendships because I was constantly canceling on people or just not um, you know, not planning anything in general. I Obviously, my marriage was suffering. My husband was on the road a lot and traveling for his his job. And so the time that was spent with him at home, I was at my computer or I was at a gig or, you know, so that was suffering. And then I started recognizing some really significant physical symptoms um, that just kind of, I don't want to say came out of the blue, but I feel like the significance of them kind of came out of the blue. And I was not able to fall asleep because I felt like an elephant was sitting on my chest. I couldn't mm. take a deep breath. I mean, I would like take my clothes off trying to figure out if something was too tight. I went to the doctor and was like, I think I have asthma. And they're like, ma'am, you're 30 years old. I don't think you just like get asthma. Um, but I would, I got an inhaler. And so I would use the inhaler to try to be able to fall asleep. Um, I was on edge all of the time. I mean, Brandon could ask me a simple question like what's for dinner and I would just blow up because, you know, imagine a cup that is completely full. Even the smallest drop of water is going to create a reaction when, you know, if your cup is half empty or empty, then you have space and capacity for the extra stress while I had zero capacity. And so obviously that was straining things. Um, my clients were starting to suffer because I was overextending myself to the point where I couldn't give the best client experience because I was, I didn't have it in me to give. So all of that was just starting to crumble, honestly. And that was, that was the stuff that I was paying attention to the most when it, I had sirens in my own body just going off left and right. Um, constant migraines, insomnia. Um, I mean, hormone issues as far as we ended up, and this is kind of a little more into the story, having some minor fertility issues that I absolutely attribute to this season of my life. And so I recognized a few months into this 
that my life was miserable. The work that I was doing was not worth everything that I was struggling with. And either I was crazy or something was wrong because I felt like I was losing my mind. I felt like my mind and my body were turning against me. And it was just this, and I couldn't focus on anything else because I couldn't even get my own brain in line. So I started um, retreating into myself. I started experiencing more depression. And honestly, I was just really selfish and just not a good friend or partner because I didn't have any space left to give. So it got to a point um, where obviously all of that stuff, the inhaler wasn't working. The, you know, I started having panic attacks. Um, there was, we were at the beach one summer and, or that summer. And it was, the, the beach was pretty crowded and I was having such social anxiety from like that was one of the symptoms I was having was just extreme social anxiety. And we walked on, on the beach and I asked Brian, I said, can we please go a little further down? There's not as many people. And I would just like to be, to like be a little further down. He's like, no, this is fine. Like your space, you know, whatever. And I had a complete breakdown because I, he put the chairs down and I just started hyperventilating and crying. And I was like, I can't do this. I can't be here. This is like, I feel like I'm being just, I'm suffocating. And that was the first time that he was like, okay, something's wrong and this is not normal and we need to address this. And sometime around that point, he asked me to go to start going to therapy because that's something that I've been putting off. I'd done it in the past, but um, nothing super consistent. And so it was after that incident that he was like, hey, will you please consider going to therapy? And that I would say was kind of the starting point of my work um, and the beginning of a very long road of trying to find some peace. Okay. So you're on the beach. Uh, you have this breakdown. Um, and Brandon says, hold on time out. Like this isn't, this isn't normal. Whatever we're experiencing isn't normal. Um, you got to get some help. You start going to therapy. What was your reaction, uh, based on like your first few sessions and like, how did they help you unpack what you were dealing with? Leading up to that point, I had been to some regular, like general physicians, stuff like that. And um, one of them told me, hey, like, if you don't figure this out, you're going to end up with premature heart conditions, issues, whatever. And so I was like, okay, well, that's no help <laughs> at all. So the therapy was, it was really hard for me at first. Um, well, I say it was hard for me at first. I feel like it wasn't at the first few sessions because I was so desperate for relief and I was so desperate to figure out what was going on that I was like, just whatever, I'll word vomit, whatever you need. But then as we, cause those first few sessions were really about managing the symptoms and not necessarily getting to the root of it, but just learning coping mechanisms and learning how to, um, recognize the signs before it ex escalated and 
all of that. And so once we got through that part of it, then we could really start digging into the root issue of everything. And the first couple things, number one, there's always, always a root to the issue and it's rarely what you think it is. And for me, I experienced a lot of childhood trauma in various degrees. Um, and a lot of my, even my work ethic was based on personal beliefs about myself that were instilled in me. And I felt like I was never good enough. I felt like I could never measure up that I was, um, just behind the eight ball from the beginning. I came from divorced parents and just had a really strenuous relationship with everyone involved. Um, both my parents remarried and yeah, I think I just, I dealt with a lot of things that a kid should not have to deal with, which isn't that the story of all childhood trauma. For sure. Absolutely. Um, and then I had, there was a very significant death in the family my, uh, two weeks before I graduated college and it was a very traumatic death and it was, it unearthed a lot in my family that I think had been push under the surface for a really long time. And everything just kind of erupted after that. And I was the peacemaker. I was the one who was uh, trying to mediate. I was trying to make sure everyone was okay, respectively, and never dealt with my own grief and never dealt with my own anger and questions. And that was manifesting. Um, it was, I felt like I couldn't control anything in life and my work was the one thing that I could control. And so I gripped it and strangled it until, I mean, until I couldn't. And that was all stuff that I started unearthing and unpacking in therapy. And obviously it was very, therapeutic and there was a lot of healing, but the anxiety almost got worse in the, the first little bit. And this is what I tell people whenever they first start addressing this kind of stuff in therapy, when you're aware of it, when you take off the scab and are cleaning out the wound, you're going to be way more sensitive. You're going to be way more tender. You're going to be way more, um, aware of the pain. And that was definitely something that I experienced. And so I always tell people it's going to get worse before it gets better because you're going to have to turn and face the stuff that you've been running from. And you're going to have to turn and actually have hard conversations and address the pain that you've learned to cope with. And for me, it was, you know, I was coping by becoming successful. And one of the things that I had to do that she helped me with was I completely cleared my schedule. I canceled everything. I, I mean, a solid like two months worth of um, commitments that I had, shoots. I mean, I wiped my calendar and really just gave myself time to just sit in it. Um, and I will say the first time that she used the phrase anxiety disorder to describe me, like you have an anxiety disorder, that was really, really hard for me um, because I felt like it was 
a label that made me weak. It was embarrassing. There was, you know, shame wrapped up in that. I felt broken. And that was something that I had felt all through my childhood and that I was trying to work against for so long. And it was almost like it kind of validated that. Um, And I really had to work through that to just own that label and know that it wasn't, but on the, the other side of that, she was really, really great at being like, this is not who you are. This is something that you're struggling with. And this is something that, that there is a solution for. So I think my first several months, and I I was going weekly at this point, I think my, my first several months were really spent managing the symptoms, accepting what is, and then separating that from my identity. And that was, I mean, that was a hard process. You know, it's, I think, especially in today's world, it's so great that, that, is as a topic that's getting so much focus, but I think on the other side of that, it can really desensitize us to the reality of it. Um, and things can be chalked up to mental health that maybe aren't necessarily. And so I also had to just address my pride, um, with all of that, specifically with my family. And I come from a very, conservative religious family that, you know, choose joy, just choose joy. Like you're not praying enough. You're not choosing joy. enough. Like, I can't tell you how much I hate that phrase. And I under, I have a much better understanding of it now. And I really wrestled with that. But at the, the initial, um, when that was initially, that was just like the answer from everyone. Well, you just got to choose joy. And I wanted to be like, motherfucker, you think I would choose? Like if if I could, I would choose joy. (laughs) Like, you know, it's not that easy. If that was an option, of course, that's what I would choose. Yes. So um, there was a lot of just kind of reconstructing just my own thoughts around mental health and, uh, yeah, so that was the that was the first leg I think of addressing everything. And I probably won't put this in the episode, but that's why I started this. I think we do a good job in a macro sense talking mm-hmm. about mental health. I don't think we necessarily do a great job at the micro level saying, "Hey, this was my experience. This is these are the circumstances that led me to a place where I was really having a difficult time." And these were the things that I did to get back to a place where I could enjoy my life again. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're maybe starting to do a better job at that. Um, but that's, you know, um, I think once I was aware of what the human mind was capable of, oh, I was yeah, like, yeah. holy shit. You know, mm-hmm. I told you the other day, it's like um, there was a phrase that I kept coming back to that I read pretty early on when I was really struggling with depression and it was don't, don't waste your suffering. And Mm. that to me was something more that I could wrap my, my hands around than choose joy. So don't waste your suffering. So my thought was, okay, I'll eventually get through this. I I don't know how, but I will use it to help people in some way, shape, form or fashion. Um, Mm -hmm. And obviously I've taken a long time um, to really make sure I was in a place where I was healthy enough to, to, to really start to do that. But yeah, anyhow, 
that's just a side note that like we're getting better, I think, yeah. at the micro level, but there's still a lot of work to be done. Other than other than therapy initially after you had the breakdown on the beach, what were some of the other like short-term tactics? I, I know you said it was a three-year journey. What were some of the short-term tactics? You bought your schedule, you you had some therapy. Was there any medication involved, like exercise, diet changes, anything like that? I was very against medication at the beginning. Um, I mean, that was, I can't tell you how many times my therapist would gently suggest that I try something and I shot it down every single time. Um, I honestly don't know the reason for that. I think I genuinely don't. That's that's something that I still kind of need to explore. I think it really was just my pride. I think it was the embarrassment of it and the shame of it. Um, it from like that's how I felt in the moment. And I knew that I didn't want to just medicate. It was so important to me that I found the root issues, whether that was emotionally, whether that was physically, whether that was spiritually. And so I really started doing a deep dive on how the world around me, what I was consuming, what I was using, um, how that affected me physically. And so I started working with a hormone coach. And honestly, she did wonders for me of really just learning my body. And I think that that's something, at least for me and in the, the environment that I grew up in, there was no education on that. I mean, I wasn't allowed to go to like sex ed class. And obviously this, my hormone stuff isn't related to sex ed class, but there was zero education when it came to my body. Um, and so I really just had this desire to learn how things work, to learn how, um, as I was aging, how things were shifting, how the food that I ate impacted how I was feeling. Um, I started going to a chiropractor to address the headaches and it was a holistic chiropractor. And so he really helped, you know, kind of address things from, he didn't just adjust you. Like he was definitely like, okay, you're having digestive issues. Well, then that's connected to this. And so let's look into that. And so really just trying to get educated on how my body works. And that was so helpful for me. I overhauled my diet. I realized that I was sensitive to soy, um, which I was exploring a, a vegetarian diet because I was like, maybe it's, you know, maybe I need to be a vegetarian and that's why I'm crazy. And so I started um, exploring that, but then in turn, it was making it worse because I was allergic to soy and really just started um, doing a deep dive into my physical health. And I've always been an active person. I was an athlete growing up. And so the physical, as far as like the exercise aspect has never been an issue for me. However, the mental strength that comes from doing yoga and meditation was something that I did not have. And so I got into regular yoga and meditation classes. And this was 
I mean, honestly, it was a religious experience for me because I recognized just how much I was ignoring my mind and the thoughts that were in my mind and the the little amount of control that I actually had over my thoughts. And, you know, for me, whenever I think of, you know, I'm a, I'm a believer, I follow Jesus. And I always heard the passage about taking your thoughts captive. And that was kind of always equated to like lusting after someone or, um, you know, I don't know, gambling or killing someone. Like it was always this very grand idea of controlling your thoughts. And I realized throughout my yoga practice, at least for me, that that means like my yoga sessions and my meditation sessions are me taking my thoughts captive because they ran all over me. And so being able to sit with them and feel them, but then also not let them dictate how I act or react or even think about myself. That was me pursuing that idea of taking my thoughts captive. And that was a huge revelation for me because that was, I think I can honestly say that was really when I saw a correlation of mental health and spiritual health and that it really is intertwined all in the scriptures. And I think we've just gotten it wrong for a really long time. Um, but that's a whole yeah. other, whole nother yeah. thing. I, um, I, yeah, that is Go so good. Um, about yoga and meditation being how you take your thoughts captive. Um, cause that does kind of flip the whole thing on its mm-hmm. head. And it's like, no, this is, this is a time and space that I carve out. Um, so that I approach the day from from this place and i'm not reacting to everything that's happening around me i'm choosing to enter into my day in this way um to take my thoughts captive that's you capture that beautifully and for me that's if i don't start my day with some kind of uh workout i just feel off balance the rest of the day i just i just do taking your thoughts captive isn't like this thing where i'm like oh i shouldn't think about that it's Mm -hmm. like no 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 no. you choose how you react to, to the things that are happening around you based on the, this discipline, you know, this discipline that you have in your life. The self-discipline aspect of that was something that I lacked just overall. And that has been, I mean, one of the first meditation sessions that I went to, the teacher was like, Hey, you have to stop moving, like stop fidgeting, stop, you know, you have to stop moving. Cause I could not physically sit still. I couldn't, you know, because my mind was constantly doing this. Like I just, I couldn't be present in the moment and how, and I realized how much number one self-discipline that, 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 that takes and how important it is to be present. Cause I had no idea what I was missing because I was constantly in war with my mind. So there were so many benefits to that. Yeah. I mean, that's so good. Um, you said turning point with, mm-hmm. with medication. Um, mm-hmm. There's a stigma attached to, to mental health issues in general. 
some of the biggest piece, the biggest pieces of that a lot of times seem to be associated with medication. I don't know why, um, but you mm -hmm. said it was a turning point for you. Can you help me understand that? I fought going on medication for three years. This is why it was a three-year journey. I experienced, it was seasons of anxiety would then trigger seasons of depression. And then the depression would trigger anxiety. And it was kind of like this never ending merry-go-round. And I ended up getting to the point where, where I felt so defeated. Cause I was like, I'm doing everything right. Like I am doing all of the things I've changed my diet. I'm exercising. I have, I've hired people so that I can have a great work-life balance. I'm saying no to stuff. I'm, you know, I was doing everything right. And I still was struggling. And from the outside, my life looked phenomenal. And it was, I mean, my business was as successful as it ever been. I had a great marriage. I was starting to kind of, you know, get my life back from a, just a friend relational standpoint. I was traveling all the time. I mean, I had Instagram worthy life happening and I laid, I was laying in bed at a friend's house in Nashville with Brandon and I woke up and I was still every day I would wake up and the way that I like describe this to him and honestly, his journey as a partner to someone who is struggling with mental health is a whole nother story because that I think was such a I think his story is worth telling as far as being a partner to someone who's going through this, who has never struggled with anything like that before and just how he had to figure out how to love me through it, but also, you know, support himself and just that was, that's a whole nother thing. But every morning at this point, I was waking up just feeling like my head was in bubble wrap and this was definitely in a season of depression. I had crying spells. I didn't, I didn't want to do anything. Nothing was bringing me joy. Um, I was very just kind of melancholy all the time. And the brain fog was insane. My memory was shot, like just, I was miserable. And I woke up that day like never, I haven't gotten emotional about this in a really long time. I woke up that day and I told him, I said, I understand how people choose not to live this way because it is miserable. And I have the perfect life. Nothing is wrong. And I am just miserable. And laying there, that's when he said, will you please reconsider medication? Because this was something that he knew that I was going to try everything that I could. And I, and I still think I still am an advocate for addressing things holistically and not just putting a bandaid band on things with medication. And so I still encourage people who are walking this road to really do their research and really try to address things from every area. But at the end of the day, he said, you are doing everything that you should be doing and it's still not working. So why not try to add this tool to your toolbox? Because that's really how I was 
approaching things online because at this point I had started sharing my story and really being transparent about everything. He said, you talk about all these tools that you use to address this. Why not try? Like it's not working. So why not try something else? And I called my doctor that day and I called my therapist and I said, can you refer me to, to a prescribing doctor? Because it's I, something's got to give, like, I can't continue living this way. And she, and, and I ended up, um, seeing a, um, psychiatric RN and because I also, I really wanted to go to someone who would continue to ask the hard questions and weren't just giving me, weren't just writing a prescription. And so that was really important to me. And I mean, I still, I still chat with her every couple of months. We've had to really explore um, my dosage. I'm on Zoloft, thankfully for me, that has worked from the beginning. So I haven't really had to you know, try different medications. We've had to experiment with different dosages, but I was able to stay on that through my pregnancy. Um, I'm still on it today. And I think at the beginning, I was really adamant about, okay, I'll go on this for six months. And then once things are stable, I'm going to wean myself off and that'll be that. And just really coming to terms with, I might be on this the rest of my life and that's okay. Um, because after things settled and, you know, the first couple of weeks are really hard because you're, you're kind of like a zombie, but then once things level out, I was like, holy crap, is this what it, is this what like every, everybody else feels like, because this is really great. (laughs) And it wasn't that, you know, so many people are like, oh, I don't want it to change who I am. And I don't want to not have feelings and which is all understandable. I had those same fears initially. I'm like, no, I'm actually feeling now. Like I'm actually, I feel like experiencing life as it's supposed to be. And that partnered with all of the other steps that I had taken. It was the perfect mix of what I needed. And so that, so I started, taking that in 2019. Um, and it's been, it hasn't been perfect. There's, I really struggled with some postpartum. Um, I don't even know what I, what it, what you would label what I struggled with postpartum, but I still struggled after having my son. And honestly, the beginning, beginning of this year, the end of last year and the beginning of this year has been, was really hard. And I was in a really, dark space that challenged my marriage. It challenged, I mean, everything. And I think now, because I have been through this, I can recognize when I'm not in a good space and I can recognize, okay, I don't need to be making decisions when I'm in this headspace. And so I just feel like I've been equipped to, to just recognize when I'm struggling and to be okay with that and just, and know that I have the tools to wait it out and that there's going to be a clearing at the, at, you know, the end of the woods, I kind of describe it as wandering in the woods. And there was a long time that I just sat down and started playing in the dirt and didn't even care about trying to find my way out. Um, But now I know that there's always a way out 
And sometimes I have to be okay with being lost for a little while. Um, and I think that's really important for people to remember that mental health is, it's not, it doesn't have a definite beginning and it doesn't have a definite end. For some people it does, but for others, it's an ebb and flow throughout your whole life. And I think just equipping yourself to know how to handle that ebb and flow is the best thing that you can do. And you said something interesting um, before the internet did the thing you, you, you were talking about, like, you just have to be okay with being lost for a while. Mm -hmm. I think that's the thing that's so interesting for me. I would give anything really to go back to never having had any of these issues. But like mm -hmm. I started a journey that I think I'm just always going to be on. There's something that's helpful to tell people like, Hey, this isn't like, you don't snap your fingers. You don't take a magic pill. Like you have, you have crossed over in this, into a new territory and you're going to be on a journey for a little while. Mm -hmm. Um, could be the rest of your mm -hmm. life. Um, yeah. 20 milligrams of Prozac and still take it today. And actually I came off it and then had a really stressful season with a big project at work. And, you know, mine all started with, um, it started with it, it, anxiety that I didn't realize it was anxiety and then turned into insomnia. And I mm. went downhill so fast. It was, I mean, it was unbelievable. And I started, it started to happen again. I was like, well, I may just need Prozac for a really long time and that's mm -hmm. okay. You know? Mm -hmm. Um, but okay. I knew that so, I was like in a spot and I said, Hey, can you up my dosage? And she's like, Amanda, you're on the highest dosage. So if this isn't working <laughs> and you need to try something else, I was like, well, uh, crap. <laughs> you're like, thanks. You could have told me that yeah. a different way. Yeah. <laughs> I do want to have like, um, a little bit of fun and just ask you some mm -hmm. quick rapid fire questions. If you don't have oh, answers nice. right away, that's okay. Um, so here's, here's number one. Okay. <laughs> what are three things you have done or changed in the last year that have improved your life? It could be a habit an action or a belief. Mm. I have started reading for pleasure and not for self-improvement. I have stopped running so oh, okay. <laughs> i recognize that i loathe running and it makes my life worse so i have stopped running awesome and i have been okay with mediocre and that's something that i have never been okay with in my life but i have chosen to just be okay with mediocre for seasons, whether that's in my marriage, whether that's in my work, whether that's in my, um, still, I'm still not there with motherhood, <laughs> but <laughs> I've just been okay with things not being, not seemingly being, uh, progressing. Yeah. Are you, do you struggle with perfectionism? Is that like, oh a, my, oh my yeah. Yeah. Yep. I t yeah. Yep, totally get that. Uh, JC mm -hmm. has a similar thing. I do not, but she has issues mm -hmm. with that. What are three books that have made the biggest impact on your life? The Body Keeps Score, Woman Code, and Seal Like an Artist. Okay. Last one here. And I think this will, this will probably help 
capture and sum up our, our time together. Um, what are three pieces of wisdom that you can leave people with or three lessons that people can take away? Nothing you experience is unique or I want to say special, but that's not what I mean. Um, Someone, there is someone else who has experienced what you're experiencing. So you're never alone in whatever you're experiencing. Helping someone else brings purpose to your pain, whatever that is. So um, if you have been through something and you are like, I, I don't know why I've experienced this. There is someone that needs your story. And however you impact that person with your story, is the purpose for whatever it is that you experienced. Life's not that serious. Like just have some fun. It's not, I mean, I feel like people overthink everything. It's not, people aren't, you know, looking at you and thinking all the things that you think they're thinking. They're not, they don't care. So it's not that serious. No, they're thinking the same things about them that you're thinking about you that they're thinking. So it's, it's all good. It's all good. So good. Amanda, thank you so much uh, for your time and and for your wisdom and just being willing to to share your journey. So grateful. We'll catch you at some point, maybe in a later episode. Uh, Until then, um, I thank you very much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. And I love what you're doing. And I can't wait to hear about more of your story, too. Oh, yeah. That'll come later, later date. (laughs) (laughs) Man, I hope that conversation was helpful for you. I know it was for me. I'm going to remind you, I'm going to ask you this over and over and over again. Please like, share, subscribe, and rate the podcast uh, in whatever platform you use so that the people that need to hear these conversations will. And also, ladies, uh, find Revive Retreats. Go and do yourself a favor. Book yourself a retreat. Um, Thank you so much again for, for listening, and we'll catch you next time on Chase the Peace.